0: Good morning and welcome to the Monday Main Point. Today is February the 22nd, 2021 and uh, we here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church are offering Monday Main Point as a way to dig a little bit deeper into the Sunday sermon, the Sunday message. And uh, I'm especially excited uh, to be here today with uh, my two brothers, uh, Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, and our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. Uh, Blake uh, Flinch, I'm our children's pastor, who normally is on this podcast with us. is uh, He's out sick today, so uh, it'll just be the three of us, fellas. Um, but we're excited to be here because we're starting a brand new sermon series, or we started a brand new sermon series yesterday. And it's one that we've been talking about as a staff for some time. Um, and I'm especially excited about it because if you don't know anything about me... Oh, by the way, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson. I'm the associate pastor here. Um, if you don't know anything about me, I'm a uh, I'm also a part-time uh, professor of uh, philosophy and Christian apologetics, and so what we're talking about here with this new sermon series is very is is very much in line with the philosophy and apologetics side of things. As we're looking at what we're calling fa- the sermon series is called fact-checking the resurrection, and this idea of fact-checking the resurrection is really. Kind of based on, I mean, if you've, if you've been on social media at all and you just, you know, or you turn on the news at all, fact-checking is sort of a buzzword now. And everybody and the reason why it's a buzzword is because, quite honestly, it's very difficult to find any facts. We, the, the, the truth, uh, to, to, to quote the, the fellow from X-Files, the truth is out there, but we just sometimes can't seem to find the truth. And the um, you know, government tells us one thing, we're not sure whether to trust it. The news media tells us something else, we're not sure whether to trust that. Our social media tells us something else, we're not sure whether to trust that. Where do you go to find truth? How do you find truth? And how do we know then that the things that we have placed our faith in, things that are doctrinal for Christians, such as the resurrection, how do we know that that's true? How do we know that that's factual? Um, you know, is there a reason for us to believe that it's factual? Where do we go to fact check that, right? And and I, I think um, something like the resurrection, which is uh, again the bedrock of the Christian faith. I, I've always said, if you if you wanted to destroy Christianity, just not you want to knock the legs out from under Christianity, prove that the resurrection didn't happen, and and it's it's done. I mean, that's what Paul said in in the in the Text that we've been um, studying all all this month, which is that if if Christ hasn't risen, then your faith is, is, is empty. Your faith is empty, and so is your faith empty, Christian? That you, may, if you're a Christian, you're listening to this podcast. Is your faith empty? And if it's not, then how do you know it's not? And what we want to do here over the next seven weeks is we want to tell you that your faith is absolutely not empty. That the resurrection is factual. And in fact, what we're going what we want to do is, we want to show you or demonstrate to you that seven facts, seven historical facts that um, are not disputed, really. These are these are these are things that even the critics will uh, will um, uh, admit to as as historical. Um, these seven facts that we're gonna look at over the next seven weeks. Are, are historical facts. Well, then what we can do is we can look at these seven historical facts and we're going to do this along the way and say, okay, if these are true, if these things really happened, then what what is that what's the best explanation for it? And what you'll find is the best the best when you look at the full pool of explanations that are out there, then the best one, the one that fits, the one that covers the most, the one that has the most what we call in philosophy explanatory scope and explanatory power. The one that, that covers the most and that and makes the most sense is simply this: that God raised Jesus from the dead. That it happened. And that's what we're that's what we're about. And so we jumped into this uh, yesterday. We'll be looking at seven different facts. Um, I'll run down, I'll run down the list real quick. First one is that Jesus died and was buried. The second one, and we'll Jeremiah will be covering this one next week, his followers had experiences, real experiences, that they believed were with the risen Jesus. Uh, three, his followers' lives were transformed, and they were willing to die for their faith in the resurrection. The fourth is that the resurrection was taught and believed um, in early creeds that were formulated soon after the crucifixion. Fifth is that Jesus' brother James, who was an unbeliever and skeptic, became a Christian after his encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Six is that the persecutor Paul, um, Saul, becomes Paul. Paul became a Christian after he encountered the resurrected Jesus. And the seventh one is that the tomb was found empty. When you put all seven of those things together, fellas, um, when you look at it, the only real live explanation that explains all seven of those facts um, is that G- God raised Jesus from the dead. And so um, I think this is a great sermon series leading into Easter. And and I'm I'm excited about it. I was excited to start it off yesterday, and I looked at that first one, and that's one we'll talk about today. And that's that Jesus died, and was buried. Um, the text I used was from the, the creed that Paul um, cites in First Corinthians fifteen one through four is the the verses. It's actually one through eight. Um, but he, I'll just read the verses real quick. It says, Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaimed to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You were also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believe for no purpose. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then he goes on from there. And I'll stop here because we want to talk about those two facts, that Christ died for our sins. One of the things that uh, I discovered in in some of the research I was doing is that um, almost all historians, even atheist (laughs) historians and scholars, I I think I quoted uh, Gerd Ludemann, who said, historically, it's indisputable that Jesus was dead. We have have biblical evidence for that um, in multiple places. We have extra-biblical evidence for that. Um, in in uh, Lee Strobel, uh, I think I mentioned this yesterday, Lee Strobel says that we have no record of anyone anywhere ever surviving a full Roman crucifixion. We do know that uh, the Romans did crucify people. We have that in text, and we also have archaeological evidence of crucifixion. So this isn't something that somebody just cooked up and made up. And we also know that the kind of torment that Jesus went through, there's, very little chance, uh, in fact no chance really that he could have survived that and even if he was still alive we know that the, the, the spear wound that the centurion makes in him um, that's cited uh, in, in, um, that I mentioned in the Gospel of John we know that that uh, and the way that John describes it, John describes it as when that wound happened that blood and water flowed out and I, I think I mentioned this yesterday but one of the things he could not have known is that the reason why blood and water is flowing out? Is because of uh, a sack of fluid that is around the heart called the pericardium, and it has. And so the water that would have come would have come from the burst pericardium, and the blood that came would have come from the burst heart or the, the pierced heart, and so um, we know that he. There's good reason to believe he was stabbed. Secondly, we know that he was buried. Um, the 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 account of um, them placing him in a tomb in just in a tomb of just Arimathea's tomb. Is one of the most well-established historical facts about Jesus. It's uh, it's attested in all four Gospels, um, and there's not any real reason to believe it happened, especially when you consider that Joseph was a, a member of the Sanhedrin who condemned Jesus to die. You, if you were going to invent something, you wouldn't you wouldn't invent him. And then the third thing I added was, um, and this wasn't necessarily in the creed that Paul mentioned, but as I was thinking about. Um, the fact his death and his burial, I, I thought about the despair of the disciples, the despair of his followers. And I used three different images from that. I used Mary, who clearly is distraught. She's not looked, she, did, she doesn't act as somebody who's looking for a risen Jesus. I used uh, uh, Thomas, who even after the disciples have, si- have seen the resurrected Jesus, Thomas is like, I still don't believe because I saw him die. And I saw the way he died. I'm not going to believe. And then the third one is um, the disciples uh, for walking to Emmaus who are um, just distraught. They're not, they're not looking like guys who, who are looking for a risen Jesus. They're, looking, they're, they're confused about where a corpse is more than where a person is. And so those are the facts. I know I took a lot of time for that. Uh, there's, those are the facts. But Lord, I want to do with, with the guys today on the panel is talk about why those facts matter. Because I think that's really where, uh, where you, you and I, uh, as as individuals, and where we as pastors, we really can camp out on this. Is why does it even matter? Why is it important? I I, I use two different um, two different categories for why it matters. One was for the resurrection, and one was for salvation. And maybe we can do that right now. We'll just talk about that in two broad terms. Why does Jesus's death, Jeremiah, um, matter? And his burial and the disciples' grief. Why does that matter for the purposes of establishing the resurrection as fact?
1: Yeah. So, for apologetic or uh, being able to give a defense for the resurrection, and you said this. Um, there's there's a popular theory that I, I don't know how popular it is now. It's not
0: popular at all now. I mean, the, the 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 swoon. Theory, yeah, the swoon yeah. theory is. You know, it dates way back before the guy who popularized it. There was a guy who popularized In fact, um, in my research, I found that... Uh, I think it was T- uh, Time Magazine um, ran an article about it. Like it was, you know, like it was... the, the next, 50s Yeah, or yeah. The next big thing. From but, the 20s. But, but yeah, historians have, have... In fact, there was one guy who said... And i, I try to find it. One guy said that uh, if... Uh, yeah. It, if the public were not so interested in virtually anyone who writes on Christianity, it would be laughed out of court. Um, that, that was John A.T. Robinson who suggested that was that, that view is so fatally flawed, the Swim Theory. Yeah.
1: So the Swim Theory is basically that he fainted on the cross. He didn't actually die. And one of the reasons you would want to hold to that view is because if Jesus never died, then Jesus never rose from the dead. So there's other views too that his body was stolen, uh, that his body never made it to the tomb, uh, those types of things. And so they want to they want to prove that Jesus didn't die because if they prove that he didn't die on the cross, everyone believes he's dead or he died at some point. Uh, but whether he died on the cross, like during that event, and whether that happened before what the disciples would say he rose. So no one's out there saying he didn't die. Everyone believes, at least at some point, he he would eventually die, even if you you don't believe he's God or don't believe he rose from the dead. But the question is, did he die on the cross, which would have been before the disciples are claiming he rose from the dead. Mm -hmm. That's why it's important that he died on the cross. Right. Another thing, and actually this came up in conversations with some people I had this this week, so I know it's really relevant, Um, but it's also... Uh, important for the reliability of the scriptures um, and Jonathan dealt with this a little bit but the text that we read first Corinthians 15 says that all of this happened according to the scriptures. so if Jesus didn't die that means part of the Old Testament is incorrect mm-hmm. if Jesus wasn't buried part of the Old Testament is incorrect um, and so and not just that one of my favorite things from the sermon is when Jonathan dealt with uh, the synoptic Gospels or the sameness of the Gospels, but also showing that they're uh, from different perspectives and this also came up in, in a conversation I was having just this past week uh, And I find it interesting I went and looked at, I didn't. I wasn't fact-checking Jonathan. I just I was fascinated So I went and looked to see how many things made it into all four Gospels And it's only like six or seven things that make it into all four of the Gospels Two of which are he was dead, mm-hmm. and that he was buried. Yeah. So when I say reliability of the scriptures, there's a really good reason to to trust in in the scriptures. Not just with Jesus's death, but also what what's going to come after his death, and and just the rest of the story. We can we can trust God's word, uh, and we can trust the scriptures based on uh, this death, this burial, and of course the, the resurrection. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I um. The, the thing about the, the synoptic Gospels and, and looking at that, especially if you look at the, you know, the Joseph Arimathea account, like I said, is, is you find that in all three synoptics, which when we say synoptics, we're talking about Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, John is, is, is not synoptic. Um, and it doesn't mean that John's any less in the Gospel. It's just John had a different source. So John was different source material. Uh, it's believed that Mark is the first one and that Matthew and Luke had the same sources Mark had, but they also had additional sources of their own. Um, and John doesn't seem to borrow from Mark at all. Um, but the fact that all four of those, Jeremiah mentions that Joseph of Arimathea text, and that, that, that you find different, different uh, things emphasized, which means that they were coming from different sources. They weren't all coming from the same source. That means that when you have something like that in, in the gospel accounts, then it's, it's what we call multiply attested um, by more, and when you've got the more people who say it, the more different people who say it, the more likely it is that it actually happened the way that, it, that it's written. And that's what we find with Joseph of Arimathea. By the way, I looked, um, the the most recent version, or at least the, the writing of Hank Hanegraaff's book, Resurrection, the most recent version of that swoon theory was in 1965. A guy by the name of Hugh Schoenfeld published a 287-page volume called "The Passover Plot," and and that's the one where that's the one where they they believe that um, that the disciples concocted some drug that they gave Jesus to make him look like he was dead, and that they and then he'd be cut down in this sort of deathlike trance, and then later he'd be removed by accomplices to the tomb where he'd be nursed back to health and then re- resurrected. But the problem with that is, and what what do they have to gain, right? I mean, wh- why even go through all that? What what do you have to gain from that? Um, because the resurrection, Jeff, ended up just causing all of them to lose their lives. It, you know, pro- proclaiming the resurrection was something that actually caused all of them to to die. You're going to be touching on that later, I know. So we'll we'll stop there. But um, what do you think uh, for the for the in terms of the resurrection and what it means for us? Um, why is it? Why do you think it's so important that we establish that Jesus died?
2: Uh, well, well, because you know um, all the different theories and all the different like the Muslims have a different theory yeah. that Jesus technically didn't die. Uh, some people felt like since he was a God and a man that somehow or another his godness took away, and that really wasn't him on the cross anymore. So there's all kind of like weird um, interpretations or theories out there or people that you know want to refute the, the fact that he died I mean um, now just because he died you know that has an effect on people emotionally and all that but plenty of martyrs die I mean we just celebrated Martin Luther King holiday right. he was a martyr he was you know assassinated for his beliefs right um, so and even during this time there were false messiahs and others that had been crucified and and killed and, and things like that. But but in his case then, all right, so, so he's dead and he died because all the disciples, like you said, they were in despair. Mm-hmm. Like they thought he was the Messiah. They thought they could be at his right hand, left hand. We're going to take over. Uh, we're not going to be persecuted anymore by Rome and he's going to establish his kingdom so now they're devastated because he's dead I mean their their leader is dead
0: now yeah and to be clear their version of the Messiah did not involve any kind of form of resurrection no It, it, it didn't um, even though Jesus would later point that out to like the disciples of a mass, you know, he'll point out that the scripture said that this, these things had to happen in this way, that, and so there are clues that the Messiah would resurrect. But they, that was never part of their
2: no, because I mean he plainly told on what was going to happen. But it's like us at, at church and everything, you know, they all ask you a bunch of kids, you know, what's you know what's cute and has chubby cheeks, eats nuts, and you know. <laughs> puts them in a tree. Well, the well, answer is Jesus, of course. Right. No, it's, it's a squirrel. But so so when the disciples are hearing Jesus talk about he's going to be suffering and he's going to... Maybe they were thinking more of a spiritual or a mystical or a parable, or maybe he was like given some kind of secret mm. meaning that they didn't really know. They didn't... Even though he plainly told them what was going to happen. Yeah. They really didn't start sinking into after the fact after he rose again after they start talking about it again and start remember it and writing the stories and writing everything down and making these collections they're like wow yeah that's right he did tell us this stuff <laughs> so so uh it, it's important that he died because that's what he came to earth to do yeah and um and it's important to know that he just didn't die. He died for us. He mm. he died for us, which goes into the next part about salvation. But right. Um, so that's that's the important thing. He had to die. He was the Passover lamb. He he fulfilled everything. I mean, everything the Old Testament was a shadow of. He literally. Was right on that cross, yeah, and so that's why it was important for him to die on that cross the way he died. Yeah, and I, I,
0: I think I added yesterday that that, in my opinion, that if Jesus merely revives or is resuscitated, then according to Paul, in the words that he writes in First Corinthians fifteen sixteen through nineteen, then he's powerless to rescue us from death. He, he, if if all it is is that he was revived, but then he died later. Then that means if Jesus dies, then he can't. Unless Jesus dies, I mean, it's a simple fact. If, he, if he, unless he dies, he can't rise again. Right. And the resurrection is 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 empty. That wouldn't be that wouldn't be a, 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 a Jesus that any of us would want to follow. Um, I'll go back to that um, the the Time Magazine article because one of the things that I um, the, the the Time Magazine article on Schoenfeld's Passover plot one of the quotes was sconefield does not discredit christ instead he argues that christ was indeed the messiah the son of man as he thought of himself but not the son of god who had been foretold by jewish prophets of old and that this is glory enough no, no it's not glory enough that's <laughs> it's not it's not enough and um, if he's not the son of god then you're absolutely right he's powerless to rescue us from death and his death is necessary for His resurrection, but yes, His death is necessary for our salvation. And, and so, ultimately, that's kind of where I, I landed And um, yesterday. But that, let's talk about that now in a little bit more detail. Jeremiah, how, how important is Jesus? And we, would, we, we obviously want to focus on His resurrection because His resurrection sort of seals the deal, right? It, it, it makes it applicable. How important is His death? and his burial to our salvation, to the plan of salvation.
1: Yeah, so Romans uh, 6 tells us that the wages of sin is death. So the penalty for sin is death. So if Jesus didn't die to pay that penalty, then there still needs to be... someone has to pay that penalty, Mm -hmm. right? If Mm -hmm. If his death doesn't cover the penalty for sins, or it doesn't cover that penalty, then someone has to, to cover it. Uh, and the easy answer for that is we have to pay for our own sin. And that's death, hell, and the grave. The, the penalty for sin is death, uh, both spiritual death and physical death. Uh, not to get into the nuances. but uh, So yeah, if Jesus doesn't die, and, and not just any human could die right and say i'm dying for your sins but but the special thing about jesus is first off he was god he's the god man but also he was sinless and and jeff just mentioned that he was that perfect spotless lamb so he would not have had to pay for sin he fought for himself because he was sinless he wouldn't have to pay the penalty of death because he was sinless but he says I've, I've conquered the law or I've fulfilled the entire law, uh, lived a sinless life, and then paid his death pays for the sins of the world. Or the Bible actually says the sins of many. And what that means is just those who uh, receive him uh, as salvation, who believe in him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord uh, will be saved. And so his death pays the penalty for their sins. Uh, I like to say it like this. Basically, either Jesus pays the penalty for your sins or you pay the penalty for your sins. And mm-hmm. it's really your choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it's an easy and obvious choice, although there's nuances again. Uh, but yeah, it's either Jesus dies, pays the penalty for your sins, or you pay the your own penalty for sin. And pen, the penalty for sin is death.
0: Right. And so I think that... Um, I, I think that one of the things that we could talk about in regards uh, to, uh, to what you just said is that a lot of people will look at, I think they, they, they take Jesus' sacrifice as the same thing as uh, a sacrifice that we see um, anyone do to save someone else's life, right? And, and, and so they look at it and go, oh, yeah, well, it was, it was, this, it was this wonderful thing that he did um, that he, um, he died to show love. Right, and he 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 um he he gave up his you know he gave up his 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 life to to show how to love others, and they they empty right they empty the the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of its salvific power when they do that. Does that make sense what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jeff, I, I used two texts um, yesterday when I was talking about this. Um, one that I that I used was that. Um, Hebrews 9.15 which where it talks about and I know you really love the book of Hebrews so I'll, we talk about this but, but in the book of Hebrews it, um, there's, you know, there's a long section there where he's outlining how the old covenant just doesn't work mm-hmm. and that you need something better mm-hmm. um, and so Jeremiah kind of touched on this a little bit but the, the verse that I use is Hebrews 9.15 that is why he was the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people he being Jesus so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant. Right. Um, so, the, you know, explain that a little bit to people who maybe don't understand the idea of covenantal, you know.
2: Okay, so, so he dies for someone to, to obtain an inheritance. Hmm. So, like, if, if your great-grandfather passes away... And he has a will. He has a covenant, a testament, and he says, "This is my will and testament that these people receive this inheritance mm-hmm. because they belong to me, or whatever reason I want to come up with, that you get the inheritance." So that's what that whole section of Hebrew is all about: is, is that Jesus, then, in the new covenant, he's he's the one that pays the price. And the old covenant was a as a ram or a bull or. A, whatever yeah. now it's him and so now we can inherit it because of what he did right for us and so because of his death you know uh, that that pays the penalty or provides the opportunity is in his resurrection then provides the inheritance that now we can enter into life with him that's what we what's what we inherit we inherit eternal life it's a free gift you know Grandpa, If he wanted to, he could give all of his money away to charity. But if he chooses to give it to his children, and so when God, that's what God is doing. He's like saying, "I'm bringing people into my kingdom," and the way they do it is through my son.
0: So you said something there, I think, is important, which is that you're tying together. I'm listening. You're you're talking. You're tying together then the 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 death or the sacrifice of Jesus with the resurrection of Jesus, because both of those things are important when we come when it comes to to. to the covenant, right? Yes. So, like, so if it Jesus had just say Jesus had lived this sinful, uh, sinless life. Sin was a sinful. If Jesus led this sinless life, he's the perfect sinless Lamb of God, and he mm-hmm. dies uh, a death on the cross, mm-hmm. um, this brutal death, um, and then he he stays dead. He just he, you know he doesn't he doesn't doesn't rise again. Mm-hmm. He, he's dead in the tomb.
2: What what does that mean for us then? Does that mean... W- well, he's w- just, like you said before, he's just this example of a good life, that a, a, um, a life that maybe you could try to live up to, or, or maybe if you were faced with the same decision, maybe you would die for someone, you would jump in front of a car, you would do those things, a benevolent act, but that's all it would be. It would just be a benevolent act of a good person, who happened to die. So that would be true even if he was
0: sinless, right? Yes. So even if even if yes. he's totally sinless, he's a perfect, sinless son of, oh, son of God, right? Um, oh, well, he's the perfect, sinless person, right? And he, mm-hmm. and he's lived this perfect life, and he never did anything wrong, and he
2: dies, but he never resurrects, then it's not enough. Why? Because now right. he's, he's, he's in heaven wherever the sinless, perfect people go, but none of us are sinless and perfect people, so we're still left out in the cold if he's He's dead now, and he just goes to be wherever he's going to be. Okay. I think one of the passages, I didn't know if you thought about this passage or not, but when Paul was writing in Romans, when he's talking about how Abraham was justified by faith. Right. And then it was imputed to him for righteousness. And that yeah. chapter ends this way. Um, verse 23 says, Now it is it was not written for his sake alone, talking about Abraham, but it was imputed to him. That it was imputed to him, but for also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Yeah. So the resurrection then is the key linchpin to the death and the atonement makes sense then because of he justifies us. If he, if he didn't come back, if he didn't wake up, if he didn't rise again... Then we have a we don't have a savior to follow. We don't, right. We can't. We can't have that justification imputed on us. It's not our justification. It's what he did for us that justifies us. Right,
0: and so that goes back to something I said at the very beginning of the podcast, which is that I believe that the resurrection is the the thing. If you wanted to destroy Christianity, you knock you knock the legs out from under resurrection, or, or you take resurrection out, and Christianity falls over. It, it topples. Um, uh, what would you add to that? Like, you know, what to, to this idea? Because I do think that there are some people, um, there are some so-called Christians, I'm going to say so-called, or, or, that, that don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Don't believe in the resurrection at all, Jeremiah. They don't think he rose from the dead. They don't no a serious historical fact. And yet, they believe in the efficacy of the sacrifice of the cross. Um, can you be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection and just believe in the, in the death and the burial of Jesus Christ? I mean, can you just stop there? Or do you think it's necessary to also
1: believe in the resurrection? I'll give the same answer I always give. It's not really the best answer, but it's just the one that makes the most sense in my head. I think you can be a Christian. I just don't know why you would be. Hmm. Because if 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 Jesus just died and he doesn't rise from the dead, that means we just die, and we don't rise from the dead. I mean, Paul
0: Paul actually will say, and if Christ has not been raised, you are still in your sins. Yeah. So Paul would say, I mean, if Jesus isn't raised from the
1: dead, then you got no hope. No, I mean, that's that, is it Second Thessalonians 4, or 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, that's always quoted at funerals, uh, that that we four thirteen yeah yeah, yeah yeah
2: yeah we don't mourn as like others who have no hope.
1: have no hope and we have hope because of the resurrection right and Jesus was the first fruits of that resurrection not only first fruits but also he's the one who accomplished that resurrection so I guess no you don't have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead well I, actually that contradicts what Paul says in yeah. Romans that, like, that's like, what I'm saying yeah I'm, you I'm do saying, have to believe. Yes. In order to be a Christian, but also, why would you want to believe in Jesus if it doesn't, if he doesn't accomplish everything we need for the Savior to accomplish?
0: Right. So why does why, why does Paul make that connection there? And I think that's I think that's important. Like he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Why does he make the connection between not notice not crucifixion? But resurrection. Why does he? Why does he say that?
1: Yeah. So, uh, part of the gospel is that. Um, well, but just part of the fall, right? Is that we're the consequences of the fall are that we're separated from God, that we have a proclivity to sin or a a bend towards sin, uh, separated from God, bend towards sin and uh, death, right? Mm-hmm. F- physical and spiritual death. Well, if Christ doesn't raise right, then Our faith is futile in him because he didn't reverse all of the curses of sin. Mm, Right? Okay, okay. And one of those curses is death. He Mm. doesn't accomplish the defeat of death, which is our worst enemy, really. Okay. Sin and death are our worst enemies. Yeah, yeah. And so if he doesn't rise from the dead, then he doesn't reverse the full curse. And if he doesn't reverse the full curse, then we're still found wanting. We're still found needing a savior to reverse the curse. Um, and then at that point we would have to redo everything, like throw out the entire scriptures because we'd have to hit a reset and just try to figure out how we can accomplish salvation on our own mm-hmm. uh, without the God Son, the God Man. Um, yeah, I, re- I
0: I really like that sort of threefold enemy approach to this question. I, I like that a lot because then I think back to the question I started that with, which is, can you believe in the efficacy of what happens on, on the act of the, the righteous act of the cross, right? And still disbelieve the resurrection and be a Christian. And and, and I and I don't know that it's possible um for that fact. When, like you you what you're trusting in is not enough to save you. Right? It wouldn't I mean yeah. I I know cause cause the and and then you what is it? In, uh, it's in Romans, in the Roman road, that Paul says um, that if you believe that God raised him from the dead, will be saved. you will be saved. Not that if you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, but if you believe that God raised him from the dead. It's, it's, it seems to me that Paul is making um, a case for the, uh, the, the, the logical necessity of resurrection as as a package of salvation like um, and we'll talk about this I'm sure a lot more as as we as we delve into the importance of the resurrection yeah. why is the resurrection important but I think I think this is a this is a good place to talk about this a little bit because there are those like I said who will hone in uh, home in rather on on uh, the the death of Jesus the burial of Jesus to say that I, that's all I need that's all I need I don't need anything else it, it the resurrection is this is this leap to the supernatural that we don't have to make, right? We don't have to believe in this in these fairy tale, mythological, legendary kind of things in order to have salvation. You can have salvation just by looking at the act of Jesus on our behalf. And to that I would say I don't know that you can. I just don't know that you can.
1: Yeah, it seems a little bit new agey. It's trying to take take things that are supernatural and, and remove it from from Jesus and remove it from the gospel but again I just don't know why you would want that yeah um, I think it's I think it's
0: crossing that I heard we, we, we listen to it. yeah John Dominic Cross and we listened to a, a debate between he and N.T. Wright uh, and, and they were having the same discussion because John Dominic Crossing considers himself a Christian but absolutely does not believe in the resurrection as historical fact that um, he believes in, again, he believes in the historicity of the facts that we're talking about. But he just thinks that there has to be a better explanation for it than the resurrection. I don't, and I don't think you guys do either, so um, Let's wrap up here, Jeff. and um, I'm going to pitch this to you because um, in large part this whole sermon series was kind of um, something that I felt like you, you really wanted to do. Uh, you brought it to the table for us and uh, from a discussion we were having. And, and I guess what I want to ask is, um, I want to go back to what the, the text I started with this morning, which is the one that I, um, that I used as the central, uh, the central text. And that's at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, Now, brothers, I want to clarify for you the gospel I proclaim to you. You received it and have taken your stand on it. You're also saved by it if you hold to the message I proclaim to you, unless you believed for no purpose. Um, what would you say to our listeners here um, about the importance of what we're trying to do here in terms of clarifying the gospel, in terms of you know uh, showing people that the gospel that they're saved by, uh,
2: it, it, that they're not believing for no purpose? Right. Um, one of the big main thing things, of course, is that we live in a culture now that um, is biblically illiterate. Um, we live in a culture now with probably about a, third to 40 percent of our people have never even went into a church service or even attended a church service other than a funeral or a wedding maybe here or there so so they may hear about easter or by you know they see the commercials for the easter bunny and things like that Mm -hmm. so they have these concepts which uh, and then then you have the worldviews that are out there conflicting like reincarnation and And then a lot of our um, movies and all, there's a lot of um, uh, new ageism being taught. So so then if you're having a discussion with someone and the resurrection comes up, and maybe in your comment, one of these seven areas comes up and you don't know how to answer it. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like a toolkit or a toolbox or a way of making people think that if I'm having a discussion with someone, like... I thought it was great that Jeremiah talked about I'm having these discussions that mm-hmm. are out there. So it helps you then to be able to point people to, hey, these are some facts that, you know, other scholars have just looking at the historic, uh, historical evidence, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we believe these things happened Um doesn't necessarily mean they believe in the resurrection, but they do believe these things had to happen. So if they had to happen, the obvious conclusion then, as you, you say, is that the resurrection had to be real. Mm-hmm. And so it just gives us an opportunity as we re-engage with the culture that we live in um, to have discussions with people, not to win arguments, things like that, but just to have genuine discussions, help people along, and then maybe even help our own faith, too. Yeah, to kind yeah I think so, too. Encourage us and help us think about it. Because a lot of times, we don't really think about this stuff. We were taught it as a child. We believed it as a child a lot of times. But we never really thought these things through or taught their way through. And then if we have a discussion with somebody that comes across smarter than us, and maybe they're talking about reincarnation and that's their whole thing and then we felt like oh I I can't really talk to this person because I don't really know anything about that and I don't want to confuse resurrection and reincarnation so it just gives us a better way of kind of being able to talk to people share with them because here's the thing anybody can google anything now and get tons of information Mm -hmm. right and wrong about everything that's so true including Christianity including the resurrection Mm -hmm. Uh, and so so you have to look at the sources. You have to kind of do your own homework and have some discernment in you. So maybe by us doing this on this topic gives people an idea of other topics out there. They could do the same thing on their own. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: I think that's great. Um, I, you know, Of course, as apologists, I absolutely think that's great because I, I go back to First Peter 3.15 and, and the idea that we always need to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have, right? And, and for those who would ask us about the hope that we have. And part of being ready to give an answer is being prepared with knowledge, which is what we're what you just said. You know, give somebody the toolbox to do that with. But also being prepared in your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that that verse begins with the idea of set apart Christ in your hearts. And then when you do when you do engage with people, do it with gentleness and respect. And so um, the, the 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 implication there is that um, not only are you going to be prepared um, with uh, with a good amount of, of, of knowledge and, and uh, good reasons and things, but that you're going to be pre- prepared spiritually, which means that one, you're you're setting apart Christ as Lord in your heart, and that means that you're willing to engage with these people. You're willing to and you have a desire to engage with people, not to argue with them, but to help them to better understand the gospel. Yeah,
2: I mean, like let's say for example, you go back to work, and one of your coworkers, their mother died of COVID. Mm. And now you're all together now, and you have an opportunity to have a conversation with them. The person goes, you know, my mom died, and I'm not really sure. You know, I'm just, I don't really have any belief about where she's at or, or, you know, um, is it really, it, it, I don't understand the reason why. Maybe they got all these questions, sure. or you can, you can say, hey, you know, uh, I do want se- to tell you, you know, we're getting ready to celebrate Easter. And, you know, I don't know if you know about Easter, if you're religious or anything like that, but... But just want to let you know that, that your mom died, but, but God lost his son, Jesus. He actually died. Mm-hmm. He died for us, but he rose again, and that's what gives us hope, and that's what Easter's about. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then gives you that chance to talk to that person more and maybe find out where they're at.
0: Yeah, if, if, if COVID's done nothing else, it's made everybody aware of their mortality. Or
2: maybe their mom was a Christian, and they, sure. they're not, but they go like, whether the preacher says she's in heaven, but I'm not really sure what, what all that means. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The opportunities for us to have yeah. conversations with people are there if we're open to heaven. But a lot of times people don't open their mouths because they don't know what to say. No. So,
0: And hopefully with we can help you out with that. Next week, um, Jeremiah, you're going to be looking at the, how the followers had real experiences that they believed were with the risen Jesus. I'm looking forward to your take on that and your... Uh, You're us digging into that a little bit deeper here on Monday Main Point. Thank you guys for joining us once again. Uh, Let me just give you a, a, make a quick plug here, or maybe a quick comment. If you listen to this on a regular basis, if you have questions about some of the things that we discuss, we would love to engage with you. Um, And you can do that by emailing us at rosbcpastors that's pastors with an S, plural at gmail.com And so again, you can Email us your questions, your comments. If you enjoy Monday Main Point, let us know. Uh, if you've got future things that you'd like for us to, to discuss on here, uh, let us know. Uh, we we want to engage with our audience, our listening audience, and we thank you guys for tuning in each week. All right, well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you here next time on Monday Main Point. Have a great week. So long.